Good morning. Hi, my name's Jeremy. I'm glad to be back. I'm a little out of my element being here in a pulpit once again. So um, please cut me some slack. You're going to get amateur hour today. Uh, it was great to be gone uh, last week and to experience uh, our youth. Uh, going down to Catalina Island, and the Lord worked powerfully. You're going to hear about that coming up. We got everybody back. That's the main point. Uh, but I also, uh, I was only out there for one night, and then I escaped to the mainland, the beautiful metropolis of Los Angeles. I'm here to report it's still just as beautiful as it always has been. And, uh, but I had uh, uh, many, many wonderful meetings with uh, many of those who are in the faith and just very encouraged and uh, just encouraged by some things that the Lord shared with me while I was out at my place where, where God just seems to speak to me. And you may or may not hear a little bit about that this morning, but let's pray as we get back into Acts. How many of you are bored yet with Acts? So I will just rat out my best friend. So Kelly, if you're ever going to watch this, my friend Kelly preached through 20 chapters of Acts in about six weeks. And he just shook his head. He's like, you've been in it for a year and a half? Dude, move on. <laughs> I'm like, dude, slow down. So I just wanted to check. I told him I would check with you and see if we're all doing okay. Uh, because I don't want to send any kind of a confusing message. Let's get into it this morning. Father, speak to us. Let your word be powerful as we look back in the history of you establishing your church and the things that we can see that we can relate to, that we need to understand, that we need to know that even in our time, there are things that never change because you are timeless. You are perfect in your sanctifying work with us. Your message is always perfect. And yet, Father, so much of the time, we tend to confuse those messages. Let that not be the case this morning. I pray that Your Spirit would work through uh, my efforts to communicate go beyond my efforts to communicate and that this the the scripture would be clear as we look into this window of time and what we can learn from fellow believers from 2000 years ago be with us as we are in your scripture show us and reveal to us truth that will apply to our lives help change us bring us into closer relationship with you we ask all this according to your power according to your son's name jesus christ and by the power of the holy spirit amen amen well turn to acts 21 if you will i will do the same and today's message is confusing messages we are watching paul move back towards jerusalem he has moved through his three missionary journeys. We've learned a lot. We've seen a lot that's happened. So now we're moving into a different part of his life. 
And today we see something that happens in Paul's life that happens within the church all around us. It's part of what I have experienced even recently. And it leaves a confusing message within the body of Christ. And, and rarely do I hear people address this well out of Scripture. And yet, as this particular uh, challenge has fallen upon my life recently, the individual that challenged me on this said, well, I just don't understand how does this happen? How do you get to two different approaches when we serve the same God? And this is a beautiful demonstration of it in Acts 21. So let me get into this just after I let you look at this. Just absorb this for a minute, will you? Have you ever come across some of these signs in your life? Right? No stopping at any time. Stop. One way, dead end. No parking, any time. Please slow, drively. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. But sometimes we see messages that are confusing, don't we? And Scripture can be this way. God's instruction or revelation to us can be this way on occasion. There's these two uh, signs that we found recently. Anyone caught exiting through this door will be asked to leave. <laughs> and then, no pets allowed, and right below it it says, all pets must be on a leash. Yeah. No wonder we're confused people. And, and, and these are pretty simple concepts, right? When you get into the finer details of theology and trying to understand God, it gets very, very complicated. There's a great quote here. It says, we can often hear from God, but understanding Him is another thing altogether. Amen? How important is it that we understand Him? And yet it is so challenging to, to grasp the deeper things of God. And so many churches fight over some of these different things. And, and yet, there's, I, I was given this bit of information in my hermeneutics class in seminary. It's, it's a great piece, actually prior to that, it's a great piece of information. That when you look at Scripture, you often hear, oh, well, that's your interpretation, right? How many of us have ever heard that? And so we have all these confusing messages out there, and the world looks at it and says, you know, I'm not really buying this, because... You're not real unified in, in what's going on. Let me help you understand how to articulate that message a little bit clearer, a little bit better. Actually, a whole lot better. There is one interpretation, but there are various applications. All right? And we're going to demonstrate that this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, but before we get there, I had a great moment Thursday night. And my daughter has inspired me to use this. This was one of the, I said, I told Janine on the way home, next to my wedding and next to the birth of my children, I think Thursday night was the best night of my life. And uh, what happened there, you're going to hear all about here, articulated in a moment. And so she shared with my daughter, unbeknownst to me, and as my wife was telling me that she shared with my daughter, my daughter told her, hmm, there's a sermon in that. So she knows me, so I didn't have this planned until you said that, so you've, you've inspired me. 
So uh, this gentleman, John Pizzarelli, first jazz guitarist player I ever came across, when a couple years ago, or a few years ago, I started thinking about venturing into jazz. Why would anybody in their right mind consider doing that? Because you can only play G, C, with an E minor, relative minor, so much without getting bored. All right? And if you're a musician and you want to grow in your musicianship, there is no higher echelon because you know that because those people wear berets and wear their glasses here and talk like this whenever they're talking. They are the upper echelon of, of music. And so I thought, let's go for it. And I got into watching one of John Pizzarelli's videos and I said, no, let's retreat back to the easy chords. But I saw this gentleman uh, playing the Rainbow Room, it was the first video I ever saw of him, playing the Rainbow Room with Jane Monheit, and they were doing an old classic standard called The Way You Look Tonight. And uh, there's just something about the history of the, the genre that he plays. He's an entertainer, but he is a master at what he does. And I have watched him for four years now, and I had the privilege of seeing him about a year and a half ago in Santa Barbara, and then I found out he was performing at Yoshi's in Oakland uh, Thursday night. And so my wife and I went, and I had a conundrum. You all know what that is, right? It's a little animal, it's about this tall, it has three eyes. I had a conundrum, and that was you could spend a little extra money and do a meet and greet with the Piz, as I now call him. Because, you know, we got that. And so I spent a little extra money to do that. And I was like, like I don't know, man. That's a, it's like an investment. I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. And I thought, and I'm going to take my guitar that I bought to learn jazz on, and I'm going to have him sign it. And the whole time I'm like, no, I don't want to be that guy. That's going to be embarrassing. I don't even know. I'm going to walk in there and say, I don't, we don't do that. Who are you? What are you doing? And I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I want the deeper things of jazz music. I need this. And so we get there, we arrive. I'm the dork holding a guitar. Everybody else is eating, eating great Japanese food and drinking wine, and Janine and I are in a corner trying to hide. And I missed the call, which was probably providential. I missed the call for the meet and greet. It was an hour before the concert. And so I walked up 10 after 7. I said, did they come? And he's like, yeah, you can go in now. So I go grab the guitar. I said, Janine, come on, stop messing around. Let's go. And so we open the door and we go in and here's a little hint. Turn off the recording. I don't want to give away the trade secret. If you want to get into Yoshi's for free, just carry a guitar. Because they thought I was in the band. It was awesome. I never had that kind of props in my life. And, uh, but no, I said, oh, I'm not in the band. Here's my ticket. And so uh, uh, there's John. We're in, we're in the club and there's nobody else but these two ladies talking with them. And so we just waited our turn. And that was providential that we were even late. Don't get any inspiration for Sunday mornings. Okay, that doesn't apply to you. It only applies to me. But the fact that these ladies move up, there's nobody else behind me. We walk up, and that's the picture on the left. And so I'm talking to John and saying, you are to blame for why I have this guitar here. And so that explains the expression on his face. And I said, I really want some inspiration, so I was hoping that you would sign my guitar. I see it every day, and I want to learn how to play I've Got Rhythm, which is one of his standards. He plays really, really well. 
And so I said, that's it. If I can just get to that, I feel like I've, I've done what I need to do, and uh, I'll never be a jazz musician. But, you know, if, you know, if you could sign this, I'll see it every day, and, and I'll practice and practice. And I promise, I swear, John, will you please do this? For and so he grabs my guitar. I kid you not, he grabs my guitar, and he walks us backstage into the green room. Let me show you the green room at Yoshi's. <laughs> it's really overrated. <laughs> that's the green room at Yoshi's. So John undoes my guitar, and he compliments my guitar. He says, oh, that's a really good guitar. I'm like, what? That's like the best. And Janine has it on video, too, so that's, that's even better. So what he does is it wasn't enough just to sign the guitar. He said, come with me. He takes me back. He says to Janine, are you recording? Now pull in close so you get the hand. And he plays the song so that I can see on video every movement so that I can learn the song. He reveals the chordal structure, the right hand movements as well, and then he sits there and just chats with us for five, ten minutes afterwards, signed the guitar. It was phenomenal. And, uh, and so why am I bringing that up? Because I want to confuse you. Yeah, uh-oh, you better say uh-oh. Matt better say uh-oh. So I, I want to borrow this pick. Oh, Matt's really prepared. He's got two picks up here. That's a prepared man. So I promise we'll get back to Paul and Agabus and, and all of this. So what I hope to demonstrate to you is a failed illustration. I'm going to try to show you the connection of the Holy Spirit through what I'm going to do and the significance of the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and all of that. And we know that eventually when you dig down, there's always something that doesn't work. So for, for us strong Trinitarians, I give you, I concede the point, but I think this is even better than steam, water, ice, whatever, okay? Egg, chicken, goat, whatever. So the idea is this, that, um, tell me if you know this song. Anybody recognize it yet? Now you're saying at this point, that guy's really bad. Because if you weren't, I just did that. Anybody recognize this yet? Nothing? Trey is like, what are we doing? I didn't come here today to hear him play. Fly me to the moon. Everything except that one chord was spot on here. But you really wouldn't have known it the way this hand was working. So everything here, and what I would tell you is that this hand represents Jesus Christ, the truth of Christ. Everything Christ says is true. It does not change. When you play notes, they have to be played a particular way. It has to happen that way. Music is very honest. It is not subjective. And so, but the music translates to where it should feel, based off of what this right hand does and doesn't do. 
So you were sitting here listening to this. I would not pay for that. Now, I'm not giving you the off-hook to not bring your tithes and offerings today, but, but watch the right hand. You notice in my eyebrows? <laughs> See, that's how you play jazz. Now, you get to the end of that song, and you're like... That's a different jazz song, but you get to the end of this song, and it's down here. Now that's truth. But let me tell you how the end of that song actually happens. Same chord. That's how you end it with a jazz song. That's the same chord, it's just altered a little bit. It's still truth. It's just altered. Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath, thou shalt what? Thou shalt honor the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Do you understand what I'm doing here? This is a D, just a D. It's a D. It's solid, it's truth. This is a this is a D major 7 flat 5 diminished. But listen to the flavor of it. Right? This is the difference. Is understanding the depth of what's going on. And many of us with the Holy Spirit, we're like this. Right? Versus... So the difference, and you're saying, boy, that took a long time, Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> There's a reason. And it's not to confuse you. The reason we run up to confusing messages is many people just stay on the D. They just say, give me the D. I like the D. It's truth. It's the truth. It's D. I like it. And does it sound like I'm really excited? This is why a lot of people are bored in their faith. Truth is truth. But the Holy Spirit working dynamically brings the truth to life. Okay? That's, that's the reality of, of moving into the deeper things. They can get confusing, but when you've got the Holy Spirit working with you in it, it's all in how you interpret it. My poor wife and children, they're going to move out. Because I'm looking at this video of this song, I've Got Rhythm, and I'm like, uh-huh. And this hand ain't working. It ain't, and it took me a while to just back out and listen to the whole phrase. I'm like, oh, that's... And so I got that, but now this is having a problem with truth. Okay, so I got to get the whole thing working together, and that's a little bit... By the way, who played that song? not the original composer. You're going to go home and you're going to say, we had the stupidest thing happen in church today. <laughs> right? Who, who, who tried to play the song for you? Yeah, it's not an advanced science level question. It's Pastor Jeremy, right? I would tell you that 
where this represents the Holy Spirit and that the dynamics of how you're playing the truth, this represents Christ's truth, all of this is conducted by this which understands what's supposed to happen. It has the plan. It knows what's right, what's wrong, and how things need to be carried out. So there's your kind of really bad example of, of Trinitarian wrapped up into playing music and the idea of how the Father, the Son, and, and the Spirit work together. They're all working towards the same cause. My, my right hand, my left hand, and my brain are working towards the same cause. But I've got to get those things trained and it's a process. It's a progression. This is where I segue into what we need to learn today. Because we're going to see what happened with this group of believers and how they intersected with, with Paul. And they both heard from the Spirit, but they ran into a differing sense of opinion as to what the Father was commanding through the Spirit. Does that ever happen? Of course, it, we're seeing it right here. So let's get into it this morning. Chapter 21, and I have verses 10 through 11 because those are the key verses, but let me read to you from the beginning. We're going to be 1 through uh, 14, I believe. Jesus, <clears throat> sorry, I'm in Luke. Let's go to Acts 21. And when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Coes. And the next day to Rhodes, and from there uh, Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. It's a brochure for travel. For there uh, the ship was to unload its car cargo. And having sought out the disciples there, right, uh, in Tyre, we stayed there for seven days, and through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. You catch that, right? That the disciples there in Tyre were excited to see Paul, and the Spirit gave them a message. Let's continue on. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed. Yes, the beach is mentioned in the Bible. And said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. Now, you already have an encounter here with Paul and the believers, the disciples entire. And the Spirit gave them a message about what was going to happen to Paul. And what did they say to Paul? Don't go. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemus, and we were greeted, or we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. You guys remember Caesarea? Paul started from there quite a while back. And you're going to be interested to hear of a name that we haven't heard for many chapters. And this actually translates to about 20 years from the last time we heard this name. And we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist. Remember Philip? It says, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Time out. Let's just get this real straight in this, in this challenging discussion, and I'm seeding it because eventually we'll have one of these on a formal level here about women's role within churches. Understand real clearly that, 
There is a, a very specific here, uh, thing here where, again, Joel prophesied, Peter repeats the prophecy of Joel that your young men and your daughters will what? Will prophesy. What do we see from Philip? His four daughters prophesied. God used them in that sense of relaying and revealing the message of God. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And, <clears throat> and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit. Here we go again. Thus says the Holy Spirit. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hand of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go to Jerusalem. Second group on this trip that is heard from the Holy Spirit, they take that message and they go to Paul and they say, Paul, probably the founder and establisher of that group of disciples, uh, either directly or indirectly, and says, Paul, you cannot go. The Spirit has revealed to us. Now, is it true the Spirit had revealed to them that Paul would be bound? Absolutely. They didn't get that wrong. Do you understand that? They did not get that wrong. By the way, Jesus said, they hated me, therefore they will what? They will hate you. Truth. Now you have the dynamic of truth being lived out and played out in a dynamic way through the Holy Spirit. And the disciples in the church are hearing from the Holy Spirit. By the way, Paul has heard from the Holy Spirit already in the previous chapter on this subject. I don't know if you've forgotten because it's been about three weeks since we've been there. But we'll review it in a minute. So you have two groups that Paul has encountered. Both of them say, from the Holy Spirit, we implore you, do not go. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you, are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Amen. Amen. By the way, there's, that's not in my, my subtext in, in a major portion of my teaching today, but let me just tell you, when you end up in, in a confusing message with brother and sister, let that be the conclusion. Where brothers and sisters, we, we phrase it this way, let's agree to what? Disagree. Let's change that around and just said. Just like my brother Hanny always says, the Lord's will. Let the Lord's will be done. All right? And, and let's see where this goes. There's some wisdom in that. So let's get to this point. We see what happens here with Agabus. And he says, and, and I, I emphasize in the red, it says, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. Has anybody come to you and said, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me something for you, a message for you, you need to listen. And you're saying, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit didn't reveal anything to me. And this is a little freaky, this is a little weird. Or maybe you're like really excited, really? What, what did he? Uh, you're going to be bound up and you're going to be beaten and you're going to die. Could we rewind please, find a different message? Right? Let's go to day three on the answering machine, whatever it would be. But what happens here 
is that two groups come to Paul and they say, you cannot go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit revealed it to us. You're going to die if you go. Folks, there's a beauty in what you're about to see unfold. We go back to chapter 20. 22 through 23. And this is where Paul had gathered the elders from Ephesus unto him. Said, you need to come to me. I'm not going to return to you. I need to share some things because now my ministry has changed. The Holy Spirit has revealed to me what's laying for me next. And what does it say? And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem. Is everybody on the same boat with that one? Yeah. They, they all got the right message. No, there's no conflict in the message. Constrained by the Spirit. Meaning I am compelled, I am pushed by the Holy Spirit. This is something that He has pushed into me. Right? Constrained by the Spirit. Not knowing what will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So when these brothers and sisters in Christ hear from the Holy Spirit, how do they interpret this? Paul, you can't go. We heard from the Holy Spirit. Did they hear from the Holy Spirit? Absolutely they did. Did they get the same message that Paul got? They did. Where's the confusion? The confusion is in human agenda. Let me make an argument for this. Get your pens out, pull out your notes, because here we go. Three key questions when it comes to understanding confusing messages where people say they hear from the Holy Spirit. Do they really hear from the Holy Spirit? What do you do with this? I'm going to give you three, not the only questions, but three key questions. Otherwise, we're going to be here till tomorrow, and then my friend Kelly's going to be right. We're going way too long with, with this series. How do you know if the Spirit of God is speaking to you? Question one. How do you know? I'm just getting, these are, this is not comprehensive. This is going to be a good answer for you. You can launch with this. So many of you may be sitting out there saying, well, Pastor Jeremy, you didn't say this. You didn't. I, again, I don't have time to, but I'm going to give you enough for you to know. Number one, it will be consistent with Scripture. This cannot put out the right sound if this isn't correct. This has to work with this. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to pull back up what, what a D uh, major 7 flat 5 diminished will sound like if I hit the E string. But what's it going to sound like, Matt? Not truth. It's not going to sound like truth. This has to work correctly with this in order for it to be good. Does that make sense? Same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never lead you, and you should always question somebody who tells you something contrary that the Spirit is saying that does not work with Scripture. Let me give you some salt on that. Let me give you an altered chord on that. And that is there are some areas that Scripture is silent on. Be real careful about going down those pathways. I'm not comfortable traveling into areas that Scripture is silent on. Text me later or email me later this week what I mean about that. Stay locked into the truth. The Spirit will never contradict the truth. If you hear contradiction from the Spirit, it's not from what? So that helps you alleviate a confusing message. Brilliant. Number two, will always lead to God's glory. If the Spirit is going to speak to you, 
How do you know if the Spirit of God is speaking to you? It will never come with an agenda other than leading to God's glory. So you have to have a wide spectrum of wisdom because much of the time we're in a moment, we can't see the end of the situation, can we? But we certainly could understand if somebody says the Spirit is leading me to, uh, to cheat on my taxes. Because, you know, Jesus said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and he doesn't deserve this. It's not his, it's mine. What? <laughs> There's probably some of you there that would agree with that. Uh, third, it will be a spiritually unique event. How do I know that the Spirit of God is speaking to me? Because it's going to be different than listening to talk radio. It's going to be different than listening to... Um, a message online necessarily is going to be different than just reading through information on a book. It is the dynamic, right? Now, you, you had that question, why on earth is he laboring over this stupid guitar point? Because I'm just going to keep beating the drum. That doesn't work. I'm just going to keep hitting the chord. That, that if this doesn't work with this, it's not from the Spirit. But when it does work, when there's a beauty to ringing out that and, and playing, if I'm, if I'm mashing on that, that D major 7 flat 5, it just doesn't sound right. It has to be played and articulated beautifully and softly. It has to be played out a certain way. And then it works. And it's unique and it's special. When the Spirit moves, it will be a unique experience. Now, some out there believe that that unique experience includes a lot of unique things. I don't have time to speak to all that. All I'm going to tell you is when we have seen the Spirit speak and work in the New Testament and in the early church, it has been a unique experience. Amen? So that's how you... Three things about how do you know if the Spirit of God is speaking to you. How do you know the intent of that message? If what we're looking at this morning is the challenge of confusing messages, we have to get into intent. All right? Have you ever read an email from someone <laughs> and you really got bent sideways? And then you finally get into the conversation with the individual and they're like, how did you get that from that? That's not what I meant. It's not what I intended. You see, here's part of where these two groups start to lose it with Paul is the intent of the Holy Spirit was perfect. It was in concert with the Father's will for Paul. It was in concert with what God desired for His people and what He called Paul to. And we'll bring this full circle in, in about ten minutes with a final passage that will help you understand where we get confused with intent. So how do you know the intent of that message from the Spirit? Number one, you've got to pray for clarity and wisdom. You need to pray for clarity and wisdom. Because much of the time for you and I as we're seeking advice from the Holy Spirit or we're looking for that dynamic to help us understand the truth that never changes of Jesus Christ according to the will of the Father, it takes time. It takes time. It takes work. It takes getting out of my own concept. I'm sitting there trying to play these chord structures from what John had said, I mean the Piz, 
had set out, and I'm missing it. I'm missing it. I'm missing it. And I had to back out and hear the structure of the whole song. I had to put the context into it. I had to focus on what he was trying to communicate. His intent of showing me what this right hand was doing was percussive, and I was missing that. I was just trying to play notes. And it's like, no, there's a feel to this, and that feel defines the feel of the entire song. And once I got that, I got the whole first phrase, and it was a break. The truth still was a little loopy, and I'm working on that part. Okay, but, but this part, this right hand, had started to figure out what the intent of the song is. But that took really thinking about it, contemplating. I'm not going to tell you I prayed over it. I didn't, I didn't pray over my, my guitar playing. Sometimes you should play, pray over that. <laughs> Second, stay flexible until you're certain. How many people have ever made the mistake of saying the Holy Spirit has spoken into your life and they've just been wrong? I have a wonderful back. I'm going I'm to say this as a sympathetic moment to um, someone in my family who's experiencing the joys of back pain currently. And every time I go overseas on a missions trip, invariably my back would go out. Good old L4. And, uh, and so it was going out. I could feel it going out when we were in Israel one time. I was leading a team and we were in the West Bank. And there's a wonderful cu- couple, Audrey and, and Bill, and they were from Australia, and they traveled all over the world serving um, in their retirement, serving in unique places for the cause of Christ. And so they knew. I never said anything, but they just knew. And so they came to me and they said, we want to pray over you that God will heal you. We believe that the Holy Spirit's asked us to pray over you so that you could have healing because we know you have a whole week to go and you need this, and this is going to fix you. And so I was like, well, I'll take all the prayer I can get. What I didn't know is that they were going to pray over me in, in ecstatic speech and try to heal me in the moment. Now, had they, I would not have argued with that one iota. Amen? Okay? I'm, I'm the lame man, and I'm walking again. But it didn't work. And as my back went out, as I was leaning against an elevator in Jerusalem a day later, and my buddy had to lay me down on my back in the middle of a bar... I'm thinking, where are Audrey and Bob now as 150 Ethiopians are looking at the white guy laying on the floor in the bar moaning? And it's like, what? How did I get it? I thought you prayed. Intent. Intent. We have to understand and separate out our desires. This is key to what we just read. Separate our desires from what the Holy Spirit is actually saying. Have you caught this one yet in this story? So, you have to stay flexible until you're certain. (laughs) That works really good with a back illustration. (laughs) Take your agenda out of the message. By the way, again, these are not comprehensive. These are just the three I can give you right now. Take your agenda out of the message. How many of us have experienced someone coming to us and telling us, you know, you need to be... You're so good with kids. The Holy Spirit has revealed to me that you just have a way about you. And it's not Billy Joel talking to you, right? So, you know, he recruits you, they recruit you, she recruits, whoever recruits you, and, and they kind of saw, you know, the, you know <clears throat> it was revealed to me 
that you really are gifted with children. You really should be over in nursery for a year, nonstop. I mean, that might be the truth. I don't know. But you get what I'm saying, right? How many of us have been on the other side of that? You're thinking the part where we get asked. I'm talking about the part where you work your agenda in. Can you please, can I please be very careful not to be guilty of that? Now, God understands our frailty. God understands our challenge of getting confusing messages. What are we dealing with? We're going to see here in a moment some great scripture that talks about this and why we're a little bit disabled when it comes to figuring out the accuracy of what's happening. That's why it's so desperately important, brothers and sisters, these points I'm giving you, measure against Scripture. you got to be in the Word. you got to know what the Word says so that you know if, if the whole... And then if there's a confusing thing, still call me. Call some people here at the church that have been walking in the faith for a very long time and are faithful and, and know what they're talking about. Third question, how do you apply the message right so if you've got confusing messages how do you apply that message because we might have those first two points all worked out but then just like these two groups we kind of blow it with applying the message well you apply it when the lord directs you right if the holy spirit is speaking and leading you into doing something that's unique, right? We talked about that. That this, When the Spirit speaks, it's often a unique situation, but it always points to truth. If you've been patient, you've been praying about it, and it seems like it's not your agenda, the next thing is, how do I apply this? Well, you apply it when the Lord directs you. And He will. He will direct you. Remember the story of Gideon. Those things are not just reserved for the pages of Judges. These things happen today. Now the question is, are you going to invest a little more so you get a one-on-one -on -one with the Piz? Do you understand what I'm saying here? Because the reality is sometimes you're like, well, the Lord directs me. I, that doesn't work for me. I don't get that. Because much of the time, we're doing what Janine and I did after the sh or during the show. We just sit there and we watch. And we're like, wow, that's amazing. Or... I. I I went to the efforts to get him to sign my guitar, but, but I went further at risk. I went further and look at the reward that happened because I pursued. Because our core value, I engaged much more. And this is where the church suffers in not knowing when the Lord is directing us. Because we don't pursue that. We just sit back and we wait and we wait and we wait. There was only one person in that entire club that night that got to go backstage with John Pizzarelli. And there was only one guy who had his guitar played by that guy. And that's a memory that I'll always have. But let me just share with you, as much as I'm just pounding that one home, that doesn't come anywhere close to what I experienced with the Spirit last Thursday night out on Catalina Island. I wouldn't trade that one for the world. And I know when the Lord is going to direct us to act on that unique message that fits with Scripture, that has nothing to do with my agenda that I have prayed and I'm flexible to. You see what I'm saying? How do you apply that message when it benefits the body? 
That's another way that we need to utilize what the Holy Spirit reminds us is, is when it's going to benefit the body. Paul goes and continues to Jerusalem because he has the instruction from God. The Spirit has revealed to him what's going to happen. In essence, there is a benefit to the body overall because they're going to have to suffer. If you know anything about church history and you study what happens to the church, there is a lot of suffering. Peter writes about it in First and Second Peter. But they've seen their heroes. They've seen those individuals that have walked before them. They've seen how they went to their martyrdom. And it inspired, it helps them understand their strength and where they get their strength from. We do this a lot of the time as well when we're sick, when we're ill, when we're going through difficult times. We want to read stories of people that have been able to pull through it through the power of God. And we glean inspiration from this. Right? And so God said there's something more important for the overall body here, and that's why Paul is going to suffer now. We're done establishing this. Now I need Paul to do this. Which, by the way, the Lord predicted all the way back in his Damascus Road experience. Lastly, this is just extra. This is Pastor Jeremy. This is PJ giving you something to chew on. I'm not sure I can really explain this. But for my wife and I, this has really stood true to moments where we're on very shaky ground and we feel that the Holy Spirit is asking us to move. It's not against Scripture. It, 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 um, you got a group of people saying, don't do it. You got a group of people saying, do it. You know, we've gone down four stages and, and we're no clearer on the subject. I will tell you that when we've reached those moments that the Holy Spirit impresses upon me that if I don't move according to how He's leading. By the way, in those moments, usually it requires sacrifice by myself. It has nothing to do with personal agenda. So that one's taken out as well. But usually what happens in that moment is there's a sense where I know I would be disobeying what He's leading me to do if I chose against this leading. Why do I know that? Because I know plenty of other times where I never get that leading. Does that make sense? Now I learned that through things I'm going to help you with right now. So how do we learn about hearing the accurate message of the Holy Spirit? Let me share with you real quickly these, these concepts. Inspiration. Uh, Theomnustos, it's Greek word for God breathed. It's out of 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is, is inspired. It is God breathed. Uh, Acts 1.8, does anybody remember this passage? For you will be my witnesses in where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utter ends of the earth. Has that now happened? Yes, but there's a condition on it. When you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, when you receive that inspiration by the Holy Spirit. Romans 15.13 speaks specifically about it. I'm just going to encourage you to write it down. We don't have time to go to that. But the Holy Spirit gives us or breathes into us power. 
Acts 1.8, he gives us truth. He always points to the truth of Jesus Christ and the will of the Father. He gives us hope. And, and this is speaking to some passages out of Romans 8. Uh, he gives us love out of 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, he gives us peace at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians 5. Illumination. This is the idea of turning on the light, which is a popular subject around here. But really, the idea is, is very simple. When we're confused, when we have a confused message, we're kind of muddling around in the dark. Does that make sense? And when we're trying to seek the deeper things of God, when I'm trying to figure out the, you know, how to play a, a D major 7 flat 5 diminished, and I'm like, I got a cramp, and I'm like, how do I do this? And, and all of a sudden, the light goes on. I figure it out. I figure out the first phrase of I've got rhythm. All of a sudden, the light goes on. That's what happens to us spiritually when the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth of Jesus Christ. This is more so giving us the ability to see what God is doing. Okay? John 14.26 speaks about how Jesus informs the disciples, One is coming after Me, and He will be your counselor. He will show you the truth. He will point to Me. 2 Peter 1.21 speaks about that idea of of uh, nobody ever prophesied Scripture on his own agenda. I'm paraphrasing here. But only as according to how they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.17. Uh, I don't remember that one. You're going to have to look it up. I'm doing my best here. Revelation is another key component to understanding the message of the Holy Spirit. What happened with this group of believers in Tyre? And what happened to this group of believers in Caesarea? It was revealed to them the same thing that was revealed to Paul. God is constantly revealing to us His message. Now there's two specific ways that that happens. One is general revelation. And Romans 1 talks about it. It says men are without excuse because God has made a way through nature and through the understanding within each individual to know that there's something bigger. There's, there's something that creates. There is an inbred divine sense and understanding of morality. It's what forms our civilizations outside of, uh, of, of religion. There's just this innate understanding that there's something else going on here. And Romans 1 speaks to that idea that because of that, men are without excuse because God has revealed Himself even through nature. Secondly, God reveals through what's called special revelation. Jesus coming down in the incarnation and Him saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through what? Through Me. That is specific revelation. How did that work in this case? The Holy Spirit came to Paul. Dynamic, unique situation. Paul has been informed all the way back to his Damascus Road experience, roughly in that area, that he eventually would suffer. The, the same way he made others suffer. Now is that time. There was prophecy by Jesus Christ that he would suffer. Now the Holy Spirit takes him back to this truth and he says, now's the time. Unique time, unique moment. Now it's a unique situation for Paul. Not only does he reveal it to Paul, but I think what's going on here is just a confirmation of the Spirit 
revealing this to people he visits. For the sake of Paul understanding, stay on track. Stay on track. And so in a unique and special circumstance, in special revelation, he doesn't just reveal it to Paul, he reveals it to the disciples in Tyre. He reveals it to the disciples in Caesarea. Brothers and sisters, when God decides to reveal a message to us, you will see a, a bit of a proliferation. You will see God do that in multiple ways in order that He gets that message across. Where does it fail? Is it in the communication through the Spirit? In these two cases, the place that it fails is very easily seen. Human agenda. They got the message right. But it's us that confuse the message. Let me clarify that. So here's the last part, sanctification. How do I relate this to my jazz guitar point? Because when I first started playing Fly Me to the Moon, it sounded like what I was doing at first, which was, I think we actually killed a goldfish in my house, and goldfish can't even hear. So it, it just was that bad. But as you progress, as you learn, as you start hearing things and growing and growing, you get a little bit better and a little bit better. And I know that there's a lot more I can do to improve, but I'm better than I was. There's a spiritual lesson in that. That is sanctification. Hagazio is the, the Greek word there. I'm sure you're all going to use it this week. That's a little pet peeve of mine. Um, it means to make holy. It means to purify. This is what the Holy Spirit does in your world, in your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. He refines you into being more pure. And as I practice and as I practice as a guitarist, I start cleaning up these areas of truth, because I recognize where it's not truth. I recognize that I'm, I'm pressing things I shouldn't be pressing, right? We as parents relate to that. Stop pressing that. Get away from the remote. That's sinful. Now, don't, don't tell your children that. But, but you get the point. Uh, Romans 15, 16, again, speaking to the idea that it's the Holy Spirit that's working within our lives to produce in us a holiness. It's a special and unique circumstance. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, it's this idea that the Spirit speaks to us to make us holy or purify us. So there are four key components. Inspiration is how a message comes to us. Uh, illumination is how we understand the message. Revelation is the message, understanding God seeks to communicate with us. And then sanctification is that message taking root in our lives so that we grow more and more holy, more and more like Christ. And then you've got music. And then you've got music. Let me finish by saying this. 1 Corinthians 12 is a, is a good passage. I'm going to give you four passages here in closing that, that are going to help you understand this perspective a little bit about how we get off kilter and confuse these messages. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So here is truth. If someone claims to know Jesus, but they make proclamations, they apostatize, they go down this path, this is one of those very real things that we have. Well, were they saved? You know, they, they, they backslid. We, this Christianese, for those of you that don't know. They, you know, they backslid. And, but over a period of time, if a person says what? Jesus is accursed, I have nothing to do with Him, then they're like the seed that blew off the path. 
There may have been an appearance. It may have even taken root a little bit, but it was choked out by weeds or was gathered up by the birds of the air, and it never took root. Therefore, they are not a spokesperson for the message of Christ. But if someone names Jesus as Lord, it says what? No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. There are some far-reaching implications to that, but that's where we start. Next, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Does that make sense? Except for you men who still play video games. <laughs> Knock it off. No, we'll never get rid of that, will we? It's unbelievable. Uh, but spiritually, you understand the connection here, right? That there is a process, that sanctification process that the Spirit does in our life through the truth of Jesus Christ and by the will of the Father, that what happens is it transforms us into a more mature being that starts to understand these messages in a more clear way, like Paul did. Whereas those individuals, the brothers and sisters in Tyre, the brothers and sisters in Caesarea, they still had some childish ways in them. Does that make sense? Here's where we owe an apology to Christ. Is in the church, we don't care what the reasoning is. Much of the time in the church, we're just concerned about who's right, who's wrong. And we will attack our brothers and sisters who do not line up. We don't look at it as how Paul articulated it, that you know there just needs to be some maturity and understanding. But we can love these brothers and sisters or they can love us when we're off kilter, right? But we need to strive towards the next part. And this is how the wisdom dictates our ability to understand why these messages get confused. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Back out of all of this and understand. When we're in heaven, it will be complete. We will be able to see it exactly for how it is. But this whole thing is based off faith. It's based off of faith informed by truth that works, informed by the unique experiences of the Holy Spirit leading us to moments that sanctify us, improve us, bear fruit, and therefore verify that which we believe in faith. And so we see dimly, we see dimly, we act because we see dimly, we see it in the horizon but we still act. It's an imperfect science right now, but it's one that requires us to invest a little bit more. In my mind, I saw myself getting my guitar signed. I also saw myself getting laughed at right out of the club and told, go put your guitar back. But look at what the result was. It went far beyond what I could see. But it happened because I invested in it. I pursued it. Lastly, here's what I promised you. Here's where the human agenda comes in and here's where we often get off kilter and create the confusion in the message. Just like the disciples in Tyre, just like the disciples in Caesarea, here's where it went south. Look at what happens with Peter. Basically, Jesus announces that he's going up to Jerusalem to die to surrender to the Jewish authorities and that he would be killed and raised on the third day. And Peter, the impetuous, inspirational one, 
got your back, Jesus guy. Says what? Peter took him aside. Could you imagine taking Jesus aside? Taking the truth aside? But how many of us have had that happen to us or we've done it? By the way, is that not what the disciples in Tyre did? Is that not what the disciples in Caesarea did? We're going to disregard all of your history, Paul. We're going to disregard all the miracles that you've worked, Paul. Obviously, Paul, you've got it wrong, Paul. They did the same thing Peter did. And look at what Peter does. He took him aside. Far be it from you, Lord. It's not going to happen to you. This shall never happen. But he turned to Peter and said, Peter, I appreciate your devotion. It's wonderful. It's heartfelt. Trust me, you still have a seat at Thanksgiving. Okay, I, I, you know, it's all going to work out in the end. <laughs> Get thee behind me, Satan. Confusion? Yeah. Because these are deep things. The things of the Lord are deep things and our agenda enters in because we want what we deem best. The brothers and sisters in Tyre, the brothers and sisters in Caesarea said, Paul, you're going to die if you go. So don't go. But the Holy Spirit told me exactly what you... You didn't, you didn't get the message wrong. Your application is messed up. There's a lot for us to learn from that, is there not? There's a lot for us to learn. So this morning, the message is clear because it was sought after. This hangs on my wall now. And it's got a wonderful signature on it that, if appropriate, in a year I can show you that that signature no longer is there because I practiced so much it's worn off. But the idea is it's there to inspire it communicates a message to me, and that message is very clear. It's been illuminated. It's been revealed. And hopefully my playing becomes sanctified because I invest and I practice and I'm clear on it, and I don't mess it up. There's no confusion because John made it very clear what needs to happen. There's no confusion for us when we listen to the Spirit and we take ourselves out of it and it coincides with what Scripture and God's agenda is. Amen? Amen. Let me pray, and I'm going to call the worship band up. We'll continue in worship this morning. And as we do so, I just encourage you in challenging ideas and confusing messages. If you're ever confused and you've spent time praying about things, please feel free to call, call the office, contact me. And, and I'm not guaranteeing you that I can, I can help clarify all that but i'll do my best to help walk through that with you and and to encourage you but the first place you go is the lord let's pray father this morning we ask that you take this message today and you make it very clear and and that it it doesn't create um confusion it's so difficult to know because we hear so many different things about the spirit and how do we recognize that I pray, Father, that You inspire us to pursue the truth of Scripture through Your Spirit. That we're able to listen and to hear and to recognize Your voice through the Spirit when it compels us to move and to act. And through that, Father, we see the transformation of our lives into a more perfect and holy life. 
Thank you for making messages clear. To you be all glory. Amen.